Good evening to everyone. Glad that you're here this evening. As everyone has said, I hope that you've had a wonderful day, and I hope that uh, uh, you got to do a lot of things that you wanted to do. I think uh, this little bit of warm weather, I think it won't be long till it won't be with us anymore, and we'll be in the house through the winter. So hopefully we got some things done that, that we needed to. Uh, as was announced earlier, we are going to, on November the 8th, go to Orrin Wooden's Apple Orchard over in Pikeville. I just want to put a disclaimer with that. It won't be like last year. Uh, last year, there several couldn't enjoy it because they were sick as a dog the time we got there uh, because the driver decided to take a shortcut. And in this shortcut in the bus, there was places that the back end of the bus past the front end of it. It was so curvy. And we had to stop a few times to uh, rest and get out and breathe and uh, kind of help Miss Edith along. She got pretty sick too. Uh, and she was sitting behind me, so there was a twofold purpose of stopping. So uh, we want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So there is a straight way there. Just take a left and then go right to it. Instead, I took the curviest way. So we won't do that. Just a disclaimer, if you're thinking about last year, there is a whole lot easier way to go than what I went or what Google told me. So the moral story is don't listen to Google. Go with the way that you think it should be. So, But it is a wonderful place. Uh, they have You can get a lot of apples, preserves. They've got a bakery. They've got uh, uh, a restaurant. There's a lot of things there. So if you'd like to go, I'd encourage you to sign the list and come and, come and join us. Uh, this past week, uh, and this happened several times at, at the funeral home. This past week, I got into a conversation with uh, two uh, denominational preachers. They were sitting, and actually, I wasn't in the conversation. I kind of put myself in the conversation after a little while. But uh, uh, they were talking about different things. They were talking with some other individuals, and they got on the subject of being saved. And on this subject of being saved, I heard probably five or six times in that conversation uh, about feeling saved. You just got to feel saved. Don't you feel saved? And uh, after a few times, I inserted myself in the conversation. We talked for a little while. And, and I just asked the question, what do you base that feeling on? And he said, I've got it right here. I said, well, where, where do you get that feeling from? Is it based on facts? Is it based on God's word? Is it based on what you think? Is it based on, you know, I asked these series of questions, and they just got up and walked off. They didn't answer the questions. And I, I thought I asked them in a very nice way. I, I was really wanting to know what they thought. But it got me thinking, you know, and I even asked myself the question, am I saved? We need that, each of us need to ask that question. Are you saved? And if you think that you're saved, if you feel that you're saved, what is that based upon? Is it based upon a feeling? Is it based upon facts? Is it based upon what somebody tells you? I, I guess what I'm getting at, and, and I hope that we can evaluate this question as we go through this this lesson is am I truly saved or am I deceiving myself or have I been deceived or have I been tricked into thinking that I am uh, based on things that I've heard or based on things that I just think and feel you know, when it comes to being saved, and I hope that we all can ask the question, you know, answer the question, if I was to die tonight, I know I'm going to heaven. Now, I believe I can know that. 
there's a long time that, that I didn't think so. I, there's a long time that I didn't think that you could know for sure. Uh, I thought that was being arrogant. I thought that was being too boastful if we were to say that. But I think a child of God should be able to say that. Amen. Uh, I, I think we should be able to answer the question, I know I'm going to heaven if I die tonight. But I do have to ask myself, and you need to ask yourself, and those listening uh, uh, through the Internet need to ask themselves, what is that information based upon? How, how did I come to that feeling? A feeling saved, how did I get to that feeling? Because feeling saved doesn't mean that I'm saved, does it? Yeah. Just because I feel that way, it doesn't equate that, that uh, I know for sure that I am. So we need to make sure when we ask ourselves that question, uh, am I saved, uh, where did I truly get that answer? Um, the truth, we need to understand, the truth cannot be kept from us. The Bible says, you shall know the truth, truth shall make you free, John 8 and verse 32. Many times, though, we don't seek that truth to truly find out and examine our lives to see if I'm saved or not based upon what that truth says. A lot of times with individuals, as a general rule, throughout, uh, uh, throughout the world, throughout just the religious world, that basis of, of, of feeling saved is not based on facts. It's not based on God's word. It's based on what we feel or what we've heard. And they base their whole eternity on that. that that's what's interesting to me is we, we, we base our whole eternity on something that I just feel. Now, should I feel saved? Absolutely I should. It, it should be a feeling also. I should have a feeling based on that I've done the right thing. My heart should be in it. It shouldn't be just going through the motions. We had a lesson on that just not too long ago. But I want us, again, to answer that question, are we truly saved or have I been deceived? And, and, and I had a, a thought on this. This morning when, when John was preaching, uh, I actually wrote down a few notes because when he started talking about Joseph, and he started talking about Joseph, how God was with Joseph at, at different points, and all the things that happened in his life wasn't necessarily good that happened, but it did work out for good, not only for Joseph at the end, but also for those that he was able to help because of the position that he was in. And he didn't, he didn't get in that position unless those things actually happened to him. But it got me thinking about something. Take Jacob, for example. Remember when, when Joseph went out and he told, told his family, or basically told his brothers that they would be serving him or bowing down to him one day, and how they took that? They were jealous because Joseph was, was Jacob's favorite, and he told them this, and they just were, were burning with jealousy, so they decided to kill him, and they put him in a pit, and while he was in the pit, they, they did come to the conclusion that they weren't going to uh, kill him, but they were going to make some money off of him and sell him into slavery. So they sold him into slavery. Remember, they got the blood of the animals. They took it uh, on his coat, and they took it to jo uh, Jacob and uh, presented it to him. What did Jacob think after they told him that? That he was dead. Jacob mourned. Jacob was sad. He had all these feelings of sadness because his son was dead. But was Jacob correct? Was he dead? Joseph wasn't dead. But he was deceived into thinking that Joseph was dead. And based on that deception, Jacob had certain feelings, didn't he? 
And those feelings were, my son is dead, and he mourned as if he was dead. He believed with all of his heart he was dead. That's why he mourned like he did. But he was deceived into thinking that, but Jacob was wrong. So that got me to thinking. That same thing could happen to us. We can be deceived into thinking that we're saved, and we can have those feelings of that and be wrong if it's not based on truth. So as we go through this lesson, I hope that we can see that, that it has to be based on truth. Now, we don't like to think that, that anyone is lost. We, we don't like to uh, say that. We, we, we don't like to think that. We, 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 when we think of being lost, I think sometimes it's this uh, abstract thing out there that we really don't like to think of that much of what the reality of it is. But let's look at the words of Jesus first tonight. Look in Matthew chapter 7. Let's read the, the uh, context uh, and then we'll, we'll go back and talk about it a little bit. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to him a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock." But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So let's look back here at verses 13 and 14 for just a moment. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, I believe we live in a, a world which this isn't politically correct to say. This isn't the nice thing to say. This isn't the appropriate thing to say, to say that it's a narrow way, and you have to be on that narrow way or you're going to be lost. That's not something that individuals like to hear. Um, many people believe, I think, that you have to be really bad to be lost. I used to think, uh, before I was a Christian, and even some as a Christian, that only the really bad people went to hell. And that there wouldn't be that many people there because I think generally... Most people are good, so it's just reserved for the really bad people. That's what I used to think, and I think that's what a lot of people think. 
But that's not what he says here, is it? He says there's going to be few that's actually going to find the narrow way. There's going to be many people that actually find the wide way. You know what he's saying? There's going to be more people lost than saved. That, that's hard to fathom. That, that, that's hard to grasp. And we don't like to think that. And I think the reason we don't think that is for a lot of things, but I think just how I started out the conversation tonight. We hear so many people say, you, it's hard to find. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say that they're not saved. Anytime they've ever been asked the question, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say no. Why is that, you think? Does that mean everybody is saved? Everybody is going to heaven? I think that's what generally uh, a lot of people think. But it says here, few will find that narrow gate. Now that narrow gate uh, is a difficult way. The Christian life is not the easiest life, but it is a, a possible life. It is a life that will get us to eternity with God. So to think that it is an easy life, I think we deceive ourselves in that. Uh, the Bible tells us we need to count the cost, and there is a cost to it. The cost is we sacrifice our life, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. We have to be a living sacrifice, don't we? So there is a cost to it. But when you, you think about people being lost, many people are lost. There are even uh, many that profess to be Christians that are lost. And I think that because individuals base it just simply on a feeling. That it's just about how you feel. And then when we think about uh, we th we think about what God is saying here, He's not uh, he, He's not saying that uh, He wants many people to be, most of the people to be lost. But that's not what He's saying at all. He's actually it's not a uh, prescription, I guess, of what He's saying. It's a description of how it is. God knows how it is. God knows how man is going to be. God knows how man is going to decide. God knows the influence that Satan can have to deceive individuals. So he knows that many will give in to that. So he's just describing what's taking place or what's going to take place. It's just a description of things because that's how, how we are. We can believe a lie. Ask the young prophet. Remember when the old prophet lied to him and he lost his life because of it? He was deceived. He, 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 he was following God and he even made that effort to follow God, to go the way that God said, to do what God said, to come back the way that he said, not to do the things that he said. Then he had that old prophet that come and said, oh, but, but God told me to come in, come into the house, eat with me, we'll discuss this, we'll, we'll do all these things. And then he goes and he goes a different way and he ends up getting killed. Well, what happened? He was deceived. He thought he was doing right. He was following what God said. But what got him off track? What got him off track is somebody deceived him. Somebody that he trusted. Somebody who professed to be religious. Professed to be following God. That's what gets individuals. See, Satan has more power than we think he does. But then we give him too much power, too much power than he actually has. He does have power to influence. He has power to, to make obstacles and stumbling blocks. But he doesn't have the power to actually make us do it or believe it. But we give him that power because we listen to somebody else besides God. We, we, we listen to something besides the truth. 
And it ends up deceiving us. Notice with me uh, in Matthew 7, uh, 7 and 8 uh, to begin with. I don't know if I put that on there, Jonathan. But right before this, he says, Seek and you will find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Because he who seeketh findeth, he who knocketh it be opened. What, what is he saying there? God wants everyone to be saved. He said, if you'll seek it, you'll find it. If you'll knock it, it'll be opened to you. But the problem is individuals don't seek it. Or they don't seek the right way or they're knocking on the wrong door. Many people think that, that Jesus, yeah, he's a way to heaven, but he's not the only way. But Jesus said, I am the only way. I'm the truth, uh, I'm the truth and life and no one comes unto the Father except through me. So we can be deceived into thinking that we're going the right way, that we're saved, that we're in a right relationship with God when we're truly not. Even if we feel like we are. And we have to be very careful uh, when it comes to that. Um, because it is very easy to deceive ourselves, but not only to deceive ourselves, to be deceived. But notice, we've got to strive to enter that narrow gate. As was read a few moments ago in Luke 13, verses 13, uh, 23 and 24. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? Now notice, can you imagine them asking Jesus that? You know, he, he's teaching them, he's telling them, well, are, are there only few that's going to be saved? Notice how he answers. He said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. We've got to strive to enter that gate. It's not going to accidentally happen. We're not going to actually accidentally spend eternity with God. You know, it's as John was saying this morning, many people go through their life and never ask why they're here. We're here to serve God to get to eternity with Him, right? So as, as we go through this, I'm not going to accidentally be saved. I'm not going to accidentally fall into heaven. I have to strive to enter that. It's just like anything we do as a Christian. As Paul talked about, we have to strive for that, that unity of peace. Unity within the church is not just going to happen. It's something we have to work at. Well, well, staying on that narrow path is something that we have to strive for. We have to work at. And not everyone's going to make it because, one, we deceive ourselves into thinking it's easy and we're actually on the broad path and not on the narrow we're on the, the path with the bumpers on it like at the bowling alley. Just bounce back and forth. We don't have to do anything. We can go right down the aisle. Don't have to do anything with it. But if we strive for that narrow gate, it's going to take effort to find it. It's going to take effort to stay on it. But we may be deceived. Someone may say, oh, here's the narrow gate over here. Come this way. Come over here. Be like us trying to go to the apple orchard. Yeah, I think this is a better way. Along the way, we're going to end up sick as a dog. Why? Because it went the wrong way. I had to get back on the right road to be able to get there. I thought it was right. I thought it'd be great, but it wouldn't. Well, this is a lot more serious than that. I may feel it's right. Someone may tell me it's right. But did I actually search to see if it was? I've got to strive to enter the narrow gate. But notice something else about it. I can only go through it myself. Nobody can, nobody can go through it for me. I, I can't just because uh, some of my family members are, are, are faithful or, or, or somebody that, I, that I'm, I'm truly close to is, whatever the case may be, it's, it, it's up to me. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 14 and verse 12? 
He says, so then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. I have to answer that question. You can't answer it for me. I can't answer it for you. I have to answer for myself. So if I answer, yes, I'm saved, what is that based upon? Is it based on because I think it, I feel it, someone told it to me, or I received it and followed it from God's word? There's a big difference in that. I have to make sure I'm not deceived by that. Now look at verses 15 and 16 in Matthew chapter 7. He tells us what can happen uh, uh, with this narrow road and broad road and what happens in this process. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So he says along this way there's going to be false teachers. But here's the thing. They're not always easy to recognize. They, they can be sheep in wo or wolves in sheep's clothing. We won't know that they're false teachers. Now, we will by their fruits that they bear because they're going to bear bad fruit. So we have to be careful and, and watch that fruit in which they're producing to see if it's producing the right thing. Is it truly the right seed that's going to produce the right fruit? Remember the parable of the sower? What is it? Three out of four didn't make it. Why? Because... Uh, the things in the world choked it out, the sun got it, wasn't planted right, wasn't prepared right. There's a lot of things that can happen with it. And a lot of this is caused by false teachers. And we have to be careful to recognize that. So how do we actually, when you think of a false teacher, what do we actually think of? I mean, how do we actually recognize that? Uh, well, we can know by the fruit that they're producing. One is they're leading people to the wide gate and not the narrow gate. That means we recognize that God says, okay, the narrow gate is here, but they're telling people something different. So where does that end up? That ends up on the wide gate that ends up in destruction. So we can know how they're leading individuals. Now here's how they do it. False teachers don't always teach everything false. That's the scary part. They do teach some truth. Now, you say, now, if they're false teachers, how can they teach some truth? Well, some truth can be more deceiving than no truth. Because the Bible says, remember, the sum, S-U-M, the sum of God's word is what counts, not just some of it, part of it. They, they may teach some, some good things about prayer. They, they may be the best marriage counselors you've ever seen. They may even teach some doctrinal things right. They may be good motivational speakers. They may teach bits and pieces of a lot of things. So just enough to get your attention. Just enough to get you uh, uh, looking and noticing and, and, and getting you to think, well, they must know the truth so we don't search it ourselves. What they try to do is convince you, I know the truth. You don't need to look at it. Just listen to me for what truth is. They may seem like your friend. They may seem like your buddy. Satan didn't seem like some big uh, mythical mean creature when he's talking to Eve, did he? He was having a conversation with her. And he wasn't telling all things wrong, but started changing just... He even changed one word that made the difference. That's all it took, wasn't it? You shall not surely die. When God said, you shall surely die. See, he had a lot of that sentence right. He just changed one word. And look what happened because of it. We have to be on guard. 
That's how you recognize it. And realize they don't always teach uh, uh, everything false. But they should teach the whole counsel of God. And if they don't, that's how you can recognize it. Remember 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4? Did I put that on there? I probably didn't put that either, did I? Raylan was talking to me. I can't help it. <clears throat> I blame it on Raylan. It's easy to blame things on Raylan up here, isn't it? That's, that's all, Raylan's our go-to blamer. But uh, he, he tells, remember, we've got to teach sound teaching because they're going to raise up for themselves teachers. They, they're going to raise up for individuals who want to teach what they want to hear. Remember what Paul said? You preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Uh, let's see. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. That's what the crowd wants. And, and they'll teach, you know, you don't know the whole motivation of what makes somebody a false teacher, but it could be money, it could be pride, it could be prestige, it could be just a lot of things. Some may intentionally lead you astray, some may not do it intentionally. But the result can end up the same, isn't it? But see, what happens is, when I stand before God on the day of judgment, I can't say, but God, they told me wrong. I followed what they said. What do you think he's going to say to that? Why didn't you follow what I said? Where did the they come from? It's like that watching, watchman principle in Ezekiel. You know, you, it's our job to warn individuals. If I don't warn them, that destruction's still coming. But I have to give them count because I didn't warn them. If I warn them and they don't take the warning, the destruction coming, but at least I warned them. Both ways the destruction come to the people, didn't it? One is because I didn't warn them. The other is because I warned them and they didn't do it. Well, same with a false teacher. If I believe and deceive by a false teacher, I'm still lost. It doesn't matter how I believed it or what I did. I didn't follow God's word. So I have to be able to recognize uh, these false teachers. And again, they do teach some truth. Uh, it doesn't mean that they teach all false. But the problem is, some truth is not enough. It's got to be the whole counsel of God. And a lot of false teachers aren't immoral people. They may look like a sheep. They may act like a sheep. But it's the, the, the things that we have to notice. What is that? The fruit in which they bear. You can't hide it. The Bible says a good tree brings good fruit. A bad tree brings bad fruit. It's not going to be any different. That's how we notice who they are. Now look in verses 21 and 23 of Matthew 7. Here's what happens when you can get deceived. And you can get on the wrong path and not realize it. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, so enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who practice lawlessness. These individuals thought what they were doing was right. They gave a whole list. So how, how do you know that a person's been deceived, or how do I know that I've been deceived, whether myself or by somebody else? Well, here's some telltale signs. One is, they don't come to God on His terms. 
They think they're coming to God. These people thought they came to God, but they didn't come on his terms. They came on their terms. Remember what he says here? I never knew you, you depart from me who practice lawlessness. They called him Lord. They done a lot of good things. But he didn't know them. And he said, you were practicing lawlessness. So they came to him on their terms. How many people come to God on their terms? You know, when you answer that question, am I saved? The next logical question is, okay, how did I get that way? And if it's not based on what God said, but it's based on what I thought I should do, or what somebody told me I should do, there's the problem, isn't it? So we, we can notice it by individuals who uh, come to God or attempt to come to God on their terms. But also, they try, to, uh, they try to argue their way out of obedience. Uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced individuals like this. I have in studying with someone. I did this before I became a Christian. I tried to argue my way out of doing it. Well, well, I don't have to do it because I do this, this, and this. Or, or I need to do this. Or I don't have to do that because I, I don't steal. I, 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 I don't do, and I can go through all the list. You know, I didn't know my, uh, Galatians chapter 5 then, but I could go through all that list and say, I don't do any of those things, so I don't have to do this. I'm a good person anyway. Or someone tells me, you don't have to do what God says. All you've got to do is just pray. All you've got to do is just do this. I've even heard some at the funeral home, all you've got to do is come up and you just kneel down, touch this casket, and I'll pray with you. What does that do? What, what, what is that really supposed to do? And does it have to be a 20-gauge casket? Does it have to be an 18-gauge casket? Does it have to be a wood casket? Does it have, I mean, does it matter what the casket is? Now, that sounds like, oh, you're just being funny. Well, you know, people don't understand when these, we say things like this that people actually believe it. And they'll argue, but I did this, I did that, I did, you know, I, I did all of these things. And I think about this a lot when I'm in my little music room and I'm, I'm working the microphone and stuff from that little room and I, and I could hear what's going on and can see on the camera. Sometimes I'm thinking, how can somebody say things like that? And, and what's even more is, I see on that camera, when people actually believe it and do it. And actually think they're saved now. Because they did what some man said to do, deceived them into thinking, and they feel good about it. Oh, I've seen them get up and hoot and holler and shout because they feel better than they've ever felt. That's what I hear when individuals that go to some denomination, they say, but I just feel so spiritual. And you want to ask, based on what? Based on a feeling? Based on a band? Based on, you know, somebody made you feel good about yourself? Based on somebody said a word or two from the Bible? What was it based upon? What do you get that feeling from? Well, I, it's got to come from God or the feeling is just deceiving. It, it, it has to come based on doing the right thing. It's not in man to direct his steps, is it? There's a way that may seemeth right unto men, but the end therefore are the ways of death. That's serious business. That tells me the only way I can know I'm saved is because God tells me based on his word. Because he's the one that set the terms. Nobody else set the terms. I didn't set them. I can argue. I can say, boy, I'd like things a whole lot better. 
If it was up to me, there'd be different things on the Lord's Supper. You'd be eating a lot of chocolate cake or raspberry zingers, I'll tell you that. Because I, I, I sure feel good after eating that. That, that gives me a good feeling. I, I could even say it might feel spiritual. That gives you a good feeling. But it's based on nothing but a feeling and, you know, that fullness in your stomach. And that goes away pretty quick. Well, now, I'm, I'm making jokes here to kind of lighten it a little bit, but you see how devastating it can be, though? You see what we're, 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 we're playing with when it comes to changing things and being deceived and trying to argue our way out of, of being deceived. These individuals here thought they were doing right. They were standing before the Lord arguing with Him. No, no, wait a minute. You, you must be thinking about somebody else. Look at all that I've done. I've cast out demons. I've done many works. I've done all of these things. Oh, they're just counting it out. They're proud of themselves. Lord, you, you got it wrong. You, you got the wrong person. Nope. I don't know who you are. Depart from me, ye that worketh lawlessness. See, they thought he, they thought they knew him. And based on that, they thought he knew them. He didn't. He didn't. But they were deceived into thinking that they were. But it really boils down to they really think they are. So what do we have to do? Let's go a little bit further. Look at verses 24 through 26, and then the lesson will be yours. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Here's the thing. I can build my house, and I can think it's fine. Until those storms of life come. Is it going to stand or not? See, it, it has to be built on the right thing or it's not going to last. It's not going to sustain. That means we're not on the right path. That's what separates us, isn't it? We all face these storms of life. We all face these things that are going to come. I have to check my foundation. I have to build upon the right foundation to make sure it's going to last. And that comes with God's blueprints, not mine. That comes, there's a lot of things that I've built. There's a lot of things that's not in existence anymore that I built. I thought it would last. I thought it would be fine. I thought I did what was right. But there was one thing that I had in common every single time. I didn't read the instructions. I didn't have time for it. I knew more than those instructions. I, I, I felt like, well, that's just a general guideline. You've got to adapt it to your own way of doing it. Adapt it to fit yourself. You know, I'm building a basic four-shelf thing. Well, let's take out a shelf. Let's, let's build it a little different. I, I need this or I need that. Start changing around before I know it. The structure part of it is not what it should be. It's going to fall. That's, that's how we think about our lives. We, we, we think about our lives in a way, okay, this is the guideline. Okay, I'll take the Bible. It's the guideline. It, it, it's, the, it's the general rule, but now I've got to make it fit my life, and my life's different than your life. Your truth is different than my truth because my life's different than you. So, yeah, we're, we're, I may not be on the same path as you, but we're headed the same way. Oh, no. I'm, Jesus said I'm the 
Truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way than him. So it goes back to the original question. If you were to die tonight, are you saved? If the answer is yes, and it's based on God's word, I hope this lesson just encourages you and gave you hope. And just help, you know, just, just help solidify what you're doing through God's word. But if that yes is not based on the things which God says, you may ought to check your footing. Probably going to be looking at sand. It needs to be rock. So what does he say to become a Christian? He says we've got to have faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 says it's impossible to please God without faith. He didn't say it's not easy. He didn't say, he said it's impossible to please God without faith. We've got to have faith. That faith comes by hearing God's word. Romans 10, 17. Not hearing what somebody says. Not hearing what somebody thinks. Not hearing what somebody feels or even I feel. But what God's word says. That's where my faith comes from. And then God's word tells me I need to confess that Jesus is the son of God. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. To repent of my sins. Luke 13 and 3. Uh, in verse 5 again he says repent or perish. Then to be baptized for the remission of my sins. Acts 2.38, to wash away my sins. Acts 22 and verse 16. Now let me stop right there for a second. Many times we think, okay, I've made it to that point. I've done those things. I was immersed. I come up out of the water. I'm through the narrow gate. I, my journey's over. I've made it through there. No, that's just the start of it, isn't it? That means I've made it to the gate. Now I have to stay through it. <laughs> It's narrow to get there. I, it, that, that process has just now began. You're just now on the path. We've got to remain faithful. Revelations 2.10, Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. Walk in the light as he is in the light. 1 John 1 and 7. That's an ongoing process. But don't misunderstand. You can know. But I hope that knowledge is based on God's word, not based on our feelings.